I just, I heard this stupid joke, just really stupid, but I can't forget it. <laughs> Stuck in my head. <laughs> Why did they find bones on the moon? The cow didn't make it. <laughs> Got this vision of some old Friesian, half Friesian, halfway over the moon. <laughs> oh dear, it's silly, I know that, but I just, yeah. Praise God. God is such a good God. Yeah. So um, we're going to preach something from the Word of God today. And uh, i got a quote here from uh, Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Who's heard of Spurgeon? Great old preacher from way back before I was a boy even, a long time ago. He said this, If you sincerely drink poison, it will kill you. If you sincerely cut your throats, you will die. If you sincerely believe a lie, you will suffer the consequences. You must not only be sincere, you must be right. And it's right, isn't it? You can believe something that's not true with best intention, sincerely, but if it's wrong, it'll lead you up the garden path. Uh, it's got to be right what you believe. And, uh, and so that's why we preach from the Word of God. We're, we're, we're quoting, we're, we're doing this today out of what God's Word says, not what some preacher said or thinks. And that's maybe not such a bad thing. I love Spurgeon's quote. He was a great preacher. But everything's got to be based on the Word of God. And if it's based on that, we're not going to go wrong. Because, you know, I've heard preachers make incredible quotes and some that I've used in this church. And in the last couple of years, they've come out and said things that are totally opposite to the Word of God. And so, you know, I'm not basing, you would never base your facts and your base has got to be the Word of God. It's got to come out of God's Word. Unchanged, it never needs to change because it's always up to date. Amen. And so we preach out of the word of God today. Let's pray and we will share some thoughts. Lord, we honour you today. And thank you, Lord, that we are in your presence. Lord, I, I thank you that we've had the opportunity to worship you this morning. And Lord, uh, we just simply ask your blessing on this message today. Lord, I know your word is needed in our lives. And so... We thank you for it today. We ask your anointing on it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I've got my best Brian voice on today, haven't I? Best Brian one. Praise God. So Israel, a family who became a nation. Who's heard of Israel? We've all heard of Israel. And Israel, through a series of events, got into Egypt as a family of, I think, about 70, argue the numbers, um, about 70. And uh, they came out uh, hundreds of years, some 400 maybe something years later, and they were, I don't know, people guesstimate somewhere around two and a half million, somewhere there if you count women and children and and allow for natural growth in the time that they were there, etc., etc., so they came out a large nation, but they were slaves in Egypt. And we know that, we understand that they were in uh, slavery in horrific conditions. And But God, God 
said that he would bring them out of that and would lead them back into a land that he had promised their founding father, Abraham, many, many, many years before. And we often mention it, and Abraham up in the hill country, and he said, Abraham, Abram it was then, have a look. As far as you can see, just have a look. Wow. Going to give it, it's all going to be yours one day. Who knows God's as good as his promises? And some, you know, promises are often generational. Abram didn't see all that God promised, but through his children he did. And, uh, yeah, praise God, I believe salvation can be generational. Amen? A lot of people love talking about generational curses. I love talking about generational salvation. I believe in that so much. But God did free them from slavery and uh, led them on a, on a journey to the land that he had promised them. And uh, we understand today, don't we, that uh, uh, Egypt is a type of the world in Scripture. The, uh, the Passover equals salvation, the blood on the door frames of the, of the Passover lamb, of which Jesus was the ultimate, ultimate fulfillment. And their journey out of Egypt and through the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. Uh, their journey through the wilderness into the promises of God are a type of or give us a picture in our minds of our journey uh, into the promises of God from salvation through. So keeping that in mind this morning, let's read from Exodus chapter 13. Beginning at verse 17, we'll read down to verse 22. And it reads like this, When Pharaoh finally let the people go. God did not lead them along the main road that runs through Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest route to the promised land. God said if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt and Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you and carry you up, so carry my bones up from here with you. So they took their journey from Sakoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day, in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So God led his people every step of the way to the land that he promised them. And very clearly he... uh, uh, led them by a cloud by day and the, and the cloud was fire by night. And uh, that, I, I like that. I, I, I'm interested in that. I, uh, the clouds, the presence and the glory of God and I, 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 I want to preach on that and uh, I've got all these thoughts about that and I want to share about that. And, and then last night I... Pam, you know, said to me, have you got a message for tomorrow? And I said, oh, I did have. 
did have, but the Lord sort of, he's, I don't know why, I just need to hear God. I didn't tell her to go away, but she went to bed and I, I just I just needed to hear God. And uh, say good morning, I haven't seen you till I saw you up there this morning. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? So, um, but I, so it may be next week when we get on to talking about the, the cloud, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But um, uh, there's just some points from these first few verses, and, and I just really believe God wanted me to speak these points today. So, just going back again to verse 17, God did not lead them on the road through the uh, through the. Uh, Palestinian Philistine, that's where uh, Palestine comes from. <coughs> They're still there today. Uh, though that uh, road was shorter, for God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So he led them around by the, uh, by the, wil- by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children went up out of the land and they camped on the edge of of the wilderness, not in the wilderness at that point, but on the edge of the wilderness. And I just really feel I've got to say this to you this morning. The Lord will lead you. When, when you get saved, he will lead you, and he will lead you in the best direction for you. And we're not all the same. And I'm interested, my wife was stealing my words this morning. We are unique, each of us. We're not the same. We come from different backgrounds and different situations. So what God does with us and how he leads us will be different according to that. And uh, I love that. I love that God, we, you know, we serve a God who can uniquely lead us each. Are you happy about that today? I'm glad, I, you know, like it's a wonderful thing. And I'm so excited today that he leads us uniquely in our journeys. It could have taken Israel the quick way and I guess they would have wanted the quick way. Let's get there. But there were enemies on the on the way. Second day out, they would have run into a, an army that was used to fighting and used to fighting wars and they were used to being slaves. So even though they had an army, they weren't ready to face what was on that route and God needed to deal with them. He needed to teach them things. He needed to show them things. So he took them by a different road. And they're probably thinking, aren't we, aren't we, the GPS is saying that way? And it's going, bip, 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 ever, ever, uh, I like annoying the people on the GC, G, on the GPS. Do you like doing that? It's just something evil in me, I think, but I turn the volume down so you can't, he- can't hear them <laughs> and then turn right. Ends up with the arrow in a big blob and going around and do a U-turn, do a U-turn. And <laughs> but I, I know God wasn't like that, but he led them a different way. And God had a purpose in that. And so, folks, uh, uh, the points that I have this morning are all to do with our journey and the length of it and the direction of it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But he will lead us in the best direction for us uniquely. And uh, and I love that. And uh, he, he won't lead you in the direction and into enemies until you're equipped to fight them. He wants wants to equip us to fight them. And so uh, if you want to write down points, I guess that could be number two. He will lead you in a, in, a, in a way that, you know, he wants to equip you to fight. 
and uh, uh, and as far as fighting goes, um, Israel had to learn who the enemy was, and we got to learn that too. As far as fighting spiritual wars go, we need to be aware of who we're fighting against. And what we see is not necessarily what we're fighting against. It's behind. It's what's behind. Got to get back to the root of things and find out what's going on. And so if we can jump over to the New Testament today and you know what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so they had to learn where they saw physical opposition. There was other things involved, other things, other things going on. Behind the scenes, there were other gods that they, nations, you know, sacrificed children to. There was evil stuff behind the scenes and uh, there was more going on than just what met the eye. And they needed to trust God. They needed to learn to trust him and, uh, and let him equip them to do the fighting that needed to be done. And, uh, and so oftentimes when there's physical opposition, there's something behind it. And we need to understand that and to deal with that. I, I, uh, had a situation last year where the, uh, I was doing a bit of chaplaincy at the footy club and they, uh, uh, they, they, they said, look, and you got this problem. We, someone needs to go and talk to this guy and, and it's really bad situation and he'll go right off. It's just going to be a pretty horrific scene. And would you go and talk to him? I said, oh, yeah, I'll go and do that. <laughs> And uh, and so I, I drove around to see the man and I just said, Lord, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes here, but I just take authority over all this stuff that's going on in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I just command your peace to be there. And the guy come out with veins jumping out of his neck and, and he just sort of, oh, oh, come in. <laughs> and he was just, no worries, you know, like it's no, no good fighting you can scream over at your neighbour over the fence or your husband or your wife or whatever, but it's not necessarily going to do the job because you're not fighting the right thing. We need to understand that. Israel had to learn to handle uh, to understand that, and we do as well. Strongholds, call them whatever you like, need to know what we're fighting. And I say often that is the problem, and I, I sometimes think we're the problem, and it's, you know, we can scream at the devil and cast out whatever we want and bind whatever we want, but if we're silly, you'll run into problems, okay? Like it, it doesn't, yeah, it can be two things. And uh, uh, so may I uh, just mention, I don't want to upset you today, but may I mention this word because it's really, 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 really important. It's patience. You know, I, I, I've probably learned... When you when you have a wife and two daughters, you go, you got to learn a certain amount of patience. Thank God for Steve, you know, like uh, yeah, and uh, we we do, fellas, don't we? Got to learn a bit of patience. Let's go. I haven't done my makeup yet. Oh, time to grease and all change the car then before we go. You know, like it's uh, you fellas know how it is. It's just you got to learn patience. But oh, I want it now. But it, it's I see patience as a weapon against the enemy, to be really honest with you. Like, 
because you can't hurry God. God knows how fast we can handle. He knows the speed we need to travel and he won't take you any faster than that. And if we learn patience and if we learn a few other things, I think we can speed the journey up. But patience is an incredibly powerful thing. Luke 21, 19, by your patience, patience possess your souls. The uh, uh, Amplified Version by your patient endurance, possess your souls. It's a very, very, very powerful thing. And, uh, uh, you know, take, take you back to the book of Exodus, chapter 32, uh, verse 1, and it says this, when the people realised that Moses was taking forever, because Moses, this is when Moses was up on Mount Sinai, he was meeting with the Lord up there and he was getting the word, the commandments and... Uh, etc etc and so he'd been gone a while so when they realized Moses was taken forever in coming down off the mountain they rallied around Aaron and said do something make gods for us who will lead us that Moses the man who got us out of Egypt who knows what's happened to him and it was just simply impatience you know God there was a process that needed to be followed and you've got to follow God's processes like you can't hurry some things up and God has times and seasons even for nations if you read scripture and there was a time for them to get to the land and and you know that it was at the right time when Christ came and was born like wasn't a day or a week too early or too late God's timing is so spot on but it will never make sense to us in an earthly realm much of the time but we got to have patience and so it hadn't been years that he was up there, but oh, we don't know what's become of him. Yeah, like and they lost it so quickly. So that's, to me, a real warning about having patience and letting God do his work and take his time because they were led so precisely by the cloud by day and the fire by night to exactly the right place at exactly the right time and they lost it. That scares me. We, we need to be aware and we need to have patience, okay? Patience, patience, patience. I wouldn't make a good a real estate agent, would I? Position, position, position. I'm telling you this morning, it's patience, patience, patience. But we need it. We do. The vision is for an appointed time. And though, though we tarry, we can't hurry it up. We've got to wait for the appointed time to come. And so you're going to need... Uh, patience. Being thankful and, and, and worshipping God are incredible weapons that we need to learn as well. And Israel just did so badly with these. Just did so badly. You know, like uh, uh, Numbers 11.5, we ate fish in Egypt. We got it for free. To say nothing of the cucumbers and the melons. I'm glad I wasn't living there. The leeks and the onions and the garlic. I like the fish and the chips, but not the rest of it there. But, but nothing tastes good out here. All we get is manna, manna, manna. I mean, God freed them from slavery, from getting beaten as they worked. They were crying out to him under the hardship of what they're going through and they haven't been gone long. Oh, we want to go back. At least we didn't have to pay for our veggies. Like, you've got to be joking. You know, serious. and But, you know, like, that's a challenge because the last time you ran into a real enemy, what was the first thing you did? 
did you begin to praise the Lord and thank him for his grace? And or were you thinking other things? Like it's just a little challenge sometimes, isn't it? And But they just couldn't learn to be thankful. I uh, was thinking about this last night and uh, I was looking there and I had a, a, a quote I'd saved some couple of weeks ago by David McCracken. Who knows David? He's a good guy. And... Um, it was this, gratitude suffocates disappointment. Worship suffocates doubt. Decide to put your heart and lips into gear and see the difference, David McCracken. I think that's good. I think that is absolutely fantastic. They're great weapons and, you know, Israel never ever did well at sorting these ones out. They really didn't. They grizzled for years and years and years and years and took them a long, long long time. But folks, uh, they're so important to be thankful for what we do have. I'm thankful that Pam doesn't talk about repainting very often. You know, I'm thankful for that. <coughs> I'm believing for a miracle today. <laughs> oh, praise God. I, it's serious. Like, I, I, I don't know. My My vision, my heart is to see Way, 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 way more things than we've ever seen in our worship. That's that's what my heart is. I believe people, we, and we've had this. We've had had several people that have got baptized in the Holy Spirit during the worship. And uh, and why can't that happen? It, it can. It can happen every week, as far as I'm concerned. I've had people get healed in the worship. It doesn't have to be that you come out the front after them. I'm nothing against that either. But it doesn't have to be that. Like around the Lord's table, receive from him. Like there is, you know, uh, just be open to receive for him the whole time. It doesn't have to be in a pattern. You can come to a meeting where there's a healing evangelist like Brett and not get healed and you can get healed the next week around the communion table. Don't put a time or space on how God works or where God does it because you put him in a box and that doesn't he doesn't work out of a box, Okay. And so we really need to understand that worship is a very, very, very powerful thing. You can grumble like Israel and spend 40 years in the desert or you can praise God for the awesome things he's done and get an earthquake like Paul and Silas and get free. The choice is up to us, it really is. And so we need to learn those these things and that's why God doesn't get you saved and lead you into witnessing in a pub two nights later and preaching, like, because you need to learn stuff before you do it. I'm not saying that's impossible either, but, you know, remember Paul Scanlon? He he was out on the streets witnessing a couple of weeks after he got saved. I said to him, did you know anything? How did you do? He said, I didn't know anything, but I said things like, a bird in the hand's worth two in the bush. Because he said, I didn't know, but it sounded like something maybe God might have said. But he said, all the drunk people out there never said, that's not in the Bible. He said, they don't know. So so I'm not putting any limitations on it, but you understand what I mean, don't you? <laughs> yeah, don't be a grumbler, seriously. Another weapon that we really, really, really need to get. And this is just, and, and you might say, well, Daryl, this is not a weapon according to Scripture. Well, it is according to me. Uh, it's the way I say it. I just think it's a powerful Tool. How, how, how can I put it properly? Uh, let, let me read you Second Corinthians ten three. So many of you will already know now what I'm going to say. Well, you may not, but you'll be in the ballpark. 
Paul writes, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. So remember Ephesians chapter 6. And so we're fighting against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. So here he takes it up again. And for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We demolish, what do we demolish? Arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That is such a powerful, powerful, powerful word. That, that verse, such a powerful verse. We demolish arguments. Who's ever argued in your, in your mind, in your heart, you've argued against things, argued against God? That couldn't be God. That just couldn't be. Don't like that place. You know, I'm not going to put my hand up. I've been guilty of arguing against God. When he told me to come here, I wasn't real happy about it, I've got to say. I can't do that. I don't want to go crooked lance or anything this morning. But every time I came through here, I got booked before. I'm, it was a terrible place. And my dad said it was my fault, but, but I, I refute that. I, I can't see how it's my fault. No, I know, but you are. Sometimes we can argue about things in our minds. We can get our minds going round and round and round and round and whatever. And uh, but you know, casting down, demolishing arguments, and uh, bringing our thoughts and everything into obedience to the way Christ wants us to think. And that's such a really, really, really powerful thing. uh, verse 6, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And being obedient is a huge key just in itself. Just in itself. If we will do what God asks us to do, just what he asks us, no more, no less, that is a huge thing. Look how blessed Abraham ended up and really all he did was do what God asked him to do. He didn't argue. God said, I want you to leave this place and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Well, tell me what it is first. I'm not leading here. I mean, how am I going to water the camels? Which road am I going on? Which direction am I going? Have I got to carry feed for this? What about me? You know, like there was a lot. Seriously. Like there was a lot of just normal arguments that he, but he, it doesn't record that he did that. He said, let's get going, we're going. And God sort of thought, mate, I like that. He does. Ray McMartin uh, and used to, used to talk about instant responders. God loved instant responders. And, and God does. And if we'll be obedient and respond to him, It's just such a really, really, really powerful thing to do. Praise God. Got to learn obedience. He can lead us by the clearest cloud by day and night. He can do it, but if we won't follow it, what's the point? Cloud's going that way. Well, I'm not. Well, silly, who are we talking about? You know, like we've got to follow. We've got to be obedient. And uh, I'm serious today, you know. Can you see why God 
didn't take them down the easy route to Canaan. Can you see why he didn't do that? It wouldn't have worked, would it? It would have been a mass disaster and he knew that. And sometimes we just so got to trust him. Got to trust him, trust him. And, I, you know, I don't know, I could talk about uh, so many times, Pam, in our lives where we've just had to trust God and we didn't know what was going on. But we knew what he'd said. It was like an Abraham thing. We didn't have details set out, but we just knew God had spoken. And, you know, I, I, I grew up farming and that's what I wanted to do with my life. And, and it ended up I had to get off farming. It wasn't really my choice. And, and I just felt in the biggest hole I ever felt in, really. And I had a, it was a large church for those days where I was and, and I was part of things there and uh, ended up in Wodonga where I didn't know anyone and uh, and uh, when we got married, um, which is uh, way back when Abraham was a boy, wasn't it, Pammy? You know, just, uh, yeah. we 40 years on March the 26th, eh? It's nearly 40 years. Wow. And we went to this church and there was only 10 people. And I thought, wow. <laughs> There's not many people here. There's just two rows. <laughs> and uh, I thought, God, what are you doing? I just felt that was right to be there. I just, back when I was only young, but I was sort of hearing God a bit and started, you know. Just, uh, I, I had a wife. I married this beautiful little 18-year-old girl and I, I just sort of took my responsibility seriously and I thought, I just need to start hearing God and I just really set my heart on doing that and I walked and I thought, oh, mate, this is not very big. There's no people, the, the youngest people's about my age and that's frightening, you know, and seriously. And uh, I remember the poor old pastor taking about five minutes to get up and now I know how he, yeah. I heard, heard of a, a bloke the other day, he said, I don't drink and I don't take drugs anymore. He said, I can get the same effect by standing up quickly. <laughs> and... Uh, it's just like it is, isn't it? So, um, but I just felt in God it was right to be there. And so I got to lead, well, I didn't want to, but, you know, he, he asked me to lead worship and, and oh, mate, that's not what I wanted to do. But, and I just was petrified. This huge crowd of probably nine people with me at the front there. And I, <laughs> but you've got to start somewhere, don't you? And I, I, I could never have started in a church this size. I couldn't have. God, God knows what you're capable of. He'll lead you in the way he needs you to go. I couldn't have started any other way. You know, it just wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have worked. And, and so many times you've just got to learn to trust him. You've just got to learn to trust him. Ah, praise God. I don't know how many points that is. I'm lost. Obedience and and uh, and uh, praise, thankfulness and praise, and uh, uh, being equipped. Uh, so I think it's the fifth one. I, I think this is the, it's the last one anyway. Number five. Give me grace. The past may not be the way of the future. And, and, you know, 
Remember what John Maxwell said about the good old days, they weren't so good. <laughs> and, they, and they weren't when you look back. Um, the past may not be the way of the future, but the past needs to be honoured. We do need to honour the past. And in the middle of right when God is leading them out of Egypt after years and years of slavery and hardship, etc., 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 and, uh, you know, times when the baby boys were taken out and killed like that was all in Egypt. It was horrific times for them. And in the middle of God leading them out, just loaded with jewellery and things off the enemy, like they, they plundered the place, they got kicked out like in an incredible way. If you can get kicked out, you might as well get kicked out in a good way. Amen. Right in the middle of it, you've got this verse. I love the way scripture is, Exodus uh, 13, 19. Excuse me. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under a solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here. And we find that way hundreds of years before, way back in Genesis chapter 50, near the end of Genesis Verse 24, and Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you. That's a word from God, amen? That's a word from God, will surely visit you and uh, bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. And he took a solemn oath from them, etc., etc. So you carry my bones up with you when you leave. And in doing that, they honoured Joseph by, by doing what he had sworn them to do. They could have said, ah, oh, it's all in the old, yeah, who cares, but no, 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 no. They took care to honour the past. And, and you know, like, it's, it's good to do that. I honour the past pastors that have been here before me and uh, the past pastors who pioneered churches in our state, Pentecostal churches, years ago when... They got spat on for being Pentecostal and I, I know my uncle copped that and I know Warren McMartin's dad copped that, not because they were Christians but because they were Pentecostal. They got spat on at the sale yards. Like, but man, they just kept forging ahead. They could see something better than where they were like Joseph could. We need to honour that. And I don't know if this sits well with you today or not, but you need to honour your parents regardless of what they were. You know, I, I um, how should I say this? <laughs> I don't know, but I just, it's really, it's its there, it's there. I um, married and his mum and dad are Buddhists and they just cut him off when he got saved. They wouldn't go to the wedding, they had nothing to do with it. And I just felt quite sad for him that they weren't there. But when he made his speech, he said, I want to honour my mum and dad. So they brought me up and they provided for me and they educated me. And he said, so many of the good things I've got in my life, they put there. And he said, I want to honour them today. He said, I'm sad they're not here, but I want to honour them. I thought that was an incredibly powerful speech. And uh, we need to do that. My old dad's 91 today, February the 26th. She has his birthday with some famous people. John Everard, who knows John? <laughs> John's 20. I shouldn't laugh, he's a good friend of mine, but his birthday is uh, 26th of Feb. My late 
brother-in-law, my sister's husband, um, got killed some 10 years ago in a truck accident. And Ken's birthday was the 26th of Feb, so my dad and Kent used to send themselves $100 for their birthday every year. <laughs> and so, <laughs> just, uh, <laughs> that sounds like dad, doesn't it? <laughs> he's crazy, poor old dad. Anyway, he's, he's something else. He, uh, terribly worried. I was, um, what, I'm nearly 61, so I was 60 years old before I could beat him swimming. And he said to me last year, how long has it taken you to swim a kilometre? And I said, oh, well, I don't know, Dad, I'm slowing down a bit. About 23, 24, five minutes these days. Oh, no, it's taken me about 26, so it's got to be me diet, he said, you know. <laughs> and he's 90 and he just can't see that that should slow him down. He's crazy. So, ah, <laughs> oh, praise God. So, <laughs> There's a lot of things Dad and I weren't good with, I tell you, but um, I had some horrific times. But uh, there's good stuff that Dad taught me, and I honour him for that today too. And so, can I get the the uh, stewards to hand the emblems out today? Let's let's just finish around the Lord's table this morning, and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, we honour God with our lives. I often say it to people, if you honour God, God will honour you. It's just a principle. There's a scriptural principle there that really, really, really works. And, uh, uh, there's, you know, there's always a question. We can ask ourselves, whatever you are doing, whatever you're going to do, I just think it's a good little question to say, Lord, is this going to honour you if I do this? And if it's not, don't do it. And don't don't argue. Don't argue with yourself. That's where we get this argument, casting down arguments. <laughs> I know as a youngster there was things I wanted to do. I remember my old grandpa said that. If you just ask, ask the Lord, is this going to honour you? And I didn't want to ask it because I knew in my heart it didn't, but I wanted to do it. And I got to argue that he must have been wrong. He couldn't have been right with everything, but I know he wasn't wrong. <laughs> Don't argue, just don't do it. It's really, really, really important. But uh, the most powerful thing from the past that we can honour is the cross. Amen? The cross of Jesus. And it's in the past, but it's not in the past. (laughs) It's in the now and it's in the future. Amen? The blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross was powerful then to cleanse and forgive and to set free. And it's still powerful today to forgive, to cleanse and to set free. And it'll still be powerful for as long as this earth goes <laughs> to, to cleanse and forgive and to set free. Amen? It's such a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And uh, uh, I, I love that about our faith, don't you? We have faith in Jesus Christ. We have faith in the God of creation. And he is a God that is as alive and up to date today as he ever was. Amen. He sees you uniquely today. There is nothing in your life he does not know. Absolutely nothing he doesn't know. Praise God. I'm glad I'm not a Buddhist today and lost in 
you know. Are you glad I'm not knocking people? I'm glad I'm not a Jehovah's Witness today who just don't really understand who Jesus is. I'm glad, I just, I'm, you know, I'm not bragging. I'm just glad that I understand that because it's so life-changing and so setting free to know God right today in the now of today. So I just wondered, folks, as we come around the communion table today, if I mention again things like obedience, patience, patient endurance, I like the way the Amplified Bible puts it, thankfulness, worship, praise God. Yeah. I, I just believe if you ask, you receive. I just do. And just as we have the emblems today before us, the little broken piece of uh, biscuit that represents his body broken for us, and the the uh, the glass represents his his life blood that he poured out. Design, it must have ran on the cross as it ran down. It soaked into the earth down beneath. He just bled to death. He just, yeah. I mean, he gave up his spirit, but he just bled for our benefit. Amen. For our forgiveness. For our freedom, if you like, from sin. For our healing. For, yeah. And I, I, I just know today, if you were to say, Lord, I ask you to help me with obedience today. I struggle with it, Lord, but I ask you to help me in patience. And Lord, I find it hard to be thankful at times. I struggle sometimes with that, Lord. I, I just struggle at times with uh, just worshipping you and all the problems crowd in on me and I just feel swamped and Lord I get angry at times and I question you but I, I want to be thankful I want to be a worshipper I, I believe that if you will ask him today he will start doing something in you that will lead to change in each of those I just want to give you a couple of minutes to do that right now right now you just you just talk to Jesus yourself you just listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you need forgiveness, folk, folks, don't, 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 you know, just ask him today. Like it, it says if you're not right, you shouldn't have communion. Well, why not put it right and have it? That would be far more beneficial. Ask him for forgiveness right where you are right now. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. So just as you're ready today, folks, take the bread. You give him thanks yourself today. Just just where you are. You just you just pray your own little prayer today and give give him thanks. What we deserved, he took. And I thank him for that today. You just take your time. Thank you. You, you eat when you're ready.
in the cup when we come to it today, folks. Blood of Jesus, such a powerful, powerful thing. Isn't, isn't it wonderful, you know, like in the world death is death. Death is the end in the world. Humanly speaking, it's, uh, it's the end. But, you know, in God, out of death comes life. <laughs> Incredible life out of death. It wasn't just the cross and the shed blood. It was resurrection morning when he walked alive out of the tomb forevermore. Never to die again. Praise God, there out of death comes life. You had this incredible man, Joseph, who was a type of Christ who was to come, who forgave his brethren who so horribly treated him, yet he forgave them, understanding that God had brought him to Egypt and used them to do it, to place him there for the deliverance and the keeping of the, of the family of, of Israel in a horrific period of drought that was to come. And he prophesies to them that one day God's going to visit you and he's going to bring you up from here. And in taking dead bones back to Canaan, it wasn't a defeat, it wasn't the end. It was the start of life. It was the start of something powerful. It was another token of the fulfilment of the word of God, that here God had visited them and God was taking them back. And he had carried out his word down to the T and the dots on the I's. Amen. Praise God. You take the cup. Give him thanks today. Believing that out of this can come newness today and can come life today. Hallelujah. Oh God, I pray life into marriages today. As people drink this today. Life in relationships, in family. Oh God, I pray you will put life into ailing bodies that need healing today. I just speak life out of death today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You thank him and drink when you're ready, folks. Thank you, Jesus.